College Basketball Insider. Some news and notes from around the world of college basketball. In-studio correspondent for WFAN and CBS Sports Radio. Attention please to John Rothstein. Please report <laughs> to St. The Insider's Insider. Joining us now with his thoughts and a break it down, John Rothstein. It's College Hoops Today with John Rothstein. Let's put the women and children to bed and go looking for dinner. John Rothstein here on the College Hoops Today podcast later in this show. We will be joined by Purdue head coach Matt Painter. I want to remind you to subscribe to the College Hoops Today podcast on Apple Podcasts. We want to be your Bible for the college basketball season and beyond. We are the only college basketball podcast coming to you 52 weeks out of the calendar year. Also want to remind you to check out the College Hoops Today fan page on Facebook. Give us a like. Give us a review. Let us know what you think of the product we're bringing to you 52 weeks out of the calendar year. And also send me your questions on Twitter. I'll get to them later in this podcast. I'm at John Rothstein. That's John J-O-N. And a reminder to find and listen to the College Hoops Today podcast on all the popular podcast platforms. Make sure to subscribe, like, and rate the show, and please feel free to leave us comments. And also, check out collegehoopstoday.com for breaking news, podcast, archive stories, and analysis on the greatest sport that we have on our globe. And now that we've got you set for all that you need to know, there is one theme that resonates with me after this past week of college basketball, and it's a theme that should resonate from now until Selection Sunday, which is just eight weeks from this upcoming Sunday. There is no great team in college basketball. Parity, again, is the dominant theme in the sport. This is not like the 2021 season where we saw Baylor and Gonzaga push out from the rest of the pack. This is not like the 1999 season where we saw UConn and Duke push out from the rest of the pack. We are seeing a situation now where we are seeing parity across college basketball. There are, though, several different teams that have separated themselves, in my opinion, at least a little bit at the top. But what we're seeing as well, the two main blue bloods in the sport, Kentucky and Duke, are really struggling to regain vintage form. Kentucky and Duke, as of Monday, as we tape this podcast in between 10 and 11 a.m. Eastern, are a combined one in five in true road games this season. Kentucky has really struggled away from Rupp Arena, and Kentucky, after it plays a home game during the week this week, will go to Tennessee on Saturday. Now, what teams, to me, are really separating themselves. Kansas's role players are emerging. K.J. Adams, Dewan Harris, Bobby Pettiford all look like they had a year's worth of player development between November and the battle for Atlantis and what we're seeing now. Houston has the inside track to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament because Houston will not have the roadblocks of other teams that are vying for number one seeds because Houston plays in the American Athletic Conference and not a power conference like a Power 5 league or the Big East. And speaking of the Big East, UConn, which had a huge bounce-back victory on Saturday against Creighton, has, in my opinion, an inside track to be the number one seed in the East region. Now, why is that so important? The East regionals this year are being played at Madison Square Garden, which has always been a break-off of Gamble Pavilion and stores Connecticut. If UConn can be the one seed in the East, that means Sweet 16 and Elite 8 games at Madison Square Garden. That means an outstanding chance for UConn to go to the Final Four for the first time since 2014. You know another team that's got a great chance to go to the Final Four 
and be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament? Purdue. And we're going to find out what the state of the Boilers is with the head coach of Purdue, Matt Painter, coming up next on the College Hoops Day podcast with John Rothstein. And before we chat with Purdue's Matt Painter, I want to tell you about Factor. It's a new year, and you have plans. If one of those is to eat right, head to Factor75.com for Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivered straight to your door. With Factor, you skip not only the store, but also the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up, too. Factor's delicious meals are fresh, never frozen, and ready to eat in just two minutes. Vegan, veggie, keto, calorie smart, and protein plus are on the weekly menu. No matter what is your lifestyle, Factor has the meals. Choose from a 34 chef prepared, dietitian approved. Full meals are an assortment of 36 quick bites, smoothies, juices, and other add-ons. Cut back on takeout and stay on a healthy track with America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, helping you live your best year ever. And right now, head to Factor75.com Hoop60 and use code Hoop60 to get 60% off your first box. That's code Hoop60 at Factor75.com Hoop60 to get 60% off your your first box. Purdue improved to 15-1 and one with Sunday night's win over Penn State at the Palestra. And the head coach of Purdue is Matt Painter. He now joins the College of State podcast with John Rothstein. And Matt, you know, Philadelphia is known for great college basketball, passionate sport fans, and soft pretzels. Did you have one on Sunday? <laughs> I did not. I should have. I, I should have had a soft pretzel. <laughs> But I had cheesesteak. We went to Del, Del Sandro's, and so that was uh, the day before. We didn't do that on the game game days. We thought that made, made a lot now, we of were trying to get you. We were trying to get you on the line a couple of weeks ago, and it didn't work because I was curious, obviously, to catch up, but also curious, you know, what's the menu in the painter house during the holidays? We had a, um, we had a big prime rib roast. And so I got I got some smokers and things like that, but it was so cold I didn't I didn't mess with it. We just we just baked it, and so it was good. It was really good. My wife's a really good cook, so uh, we had a good time. Well, prime rib roast is always something to look forward to, but so is the guts of Big Ten play. You had three really, really tough games over the past week. What did you learn about your team over the last seven days that maybe you didn't know prior? Yeah, you know, the, we had a tough game last year coming out of break. Um, Johnny Davis played really well against us. So that kind of jogs your memory. It definitely jogs mine. We just weren't connected. And I just thought like, man, like, you know, that's just one game. And then we came back out of it. I thought our guys played really well in the game before that, right after the break. And we just weren't connected. I don't want to take anything away from Rutgers, but golly, we just, you know, we just weren't sharp. And you, you got to have your team ready. And we really tried just like, we sold it. Like, you know, there's nobody – in the country that's a bigger fan than Rutgers basketball than our staff. Like, they play hard, they're tough, they're resilient. And we're like, going, hey, like, you got to be able to beat them at their own game. You know, we know we're at home. We know we have a great crowd. But that doesn't matter. They'll feed off that just like we'll feed off of that. And we just weren't. And you got to give Rutgers a lot of credit for their toughness and the way they were. And I, so I thought we learned a hard lesson. I was like, one of those games afterwards is like, as a coach, you got to make a decision. Like, do you go after them? Um, you know, do you, do you stay positive and patient with them? And it was a little bit in between, but we had some guys that, you know, Braden Smith didn't have a very good game um, there just across the board. Like what we did late game, we totally went against exactly what we said in the huddle. 
Like we were just, we were staying home on three point shooters and we were going to play one on one basketball. And maybe that wasn't the right thing to do, but at the worst thing, we felt like, okay, we're going to get the ball back and we're going to go into overtime if we can't score here. But I like having the ball at the tie score. I don't like having the ball as much, obviously, down one. And now you're in a position where we did get a good shot after Fletch had hit a huge shot before that. But we just didn't finish the game off, and they did. So going into Ohio State, we didn't play well to start the game. We didn't shoot well. We missed our first seven threes. Then I think that's really helped us, John, the fact that we have good shooters, but we went four, five, six games here where our percentages aren't very good, but yet we're taking pretty good shots. We were able to step up and make some shots, and I think that really helped us, even though the Ohio State game obviously could have went in either way. We're at a point at the end where we were pressing and trying to get a steal, and we did before we were going to foul. But our guys bounced back, and that was great. Then I thought, you know, down six against Penn State at half, it made some really tough shots. I liked where we were, even though we were down six. And we played our probably our best half of the year in that second half. And to be able to do that in that environment, that was an unbelievable environment. That was a great experience for our guys. To be in the palestra, to, to be in one of those boxed-up, um, old school gyms like that, where they're just they're on top of you, they're loud. Penn State fans really, really came out. It was probably ninety seven, ninety eight percent, you know, Penn State fans, and um, they were into it. But our guys played really, really well, and they responded to it. Fletcher Lawyer had a huge second half. Braden Smith really made good decisions. Then obviously Zach, you know, dominated in that game with thirty points. Now, every coach wants to win every single game that his team plays. It's just the way of the world. But what do you learn about your team when you have a loss in some adversity? Yeah, especially when it doesn't go your way in that next game to start with. Like, you know, who do you have? David Jenkins really gave us a boost coming off the bench. He he made some shots. Brandon Newman was sick, and he only played three or four minutes in that Ohio State game. You know, you find out, like, you know, champions always get off the campus. So you find out, you know, what do we have here? You know, even though you might be 19 years old and you just started college basketball, what do you have? We didn't start Fletcher Lawyer in the second half. He had his worst half of the season, and he responded in that second half against Ohio State. He's really, really made some huge shots and key times. He got us going in Penn State right away the start of the second half. I think that's what we learned about some of our young guys. Like, those guys responded, but we got some other guys that are coming off the bench and doing some really good things. Their minutes aren't as much, but they're really responding and doing a lot of little things for us. Mason Gillis has done some really good things, you know, for us. And it's, and it's hard, you know, he has started before he's played more. Caleb first has, you know, made some strides defensively and put himself in a position with his rebounding, made a huge three other night against, um, um, against Penn State. So I think that's what we've learned about our guys. Just, you know, they, they got a fight to them. They got a little resiliency to them. And, but each game, you know, causes different matchups, causes different issues. Obviously, Jalen Pickett um, is a big issue. It is a big issue for everybody, not just Purdue. And uh, he's not one of the best guards in our, country, in, our, in our league. He's one of the best guards in the country. And anybody that has to go against him and play against him realize he's an All-American type caliber player. You know, and obviously one of the reasons why Penn State is, you know, so successful is their coach and their coach is one of your former lieutenants, Micah Shrewsbury. I know you are still obviously a young guy, but as you, you know, continue to march on here, more and more of your pupils are going to get opportunities in big spots to run their own programs. I know this isn't the first time that you and Micah went head to head, but what is it like when it's somebody who's been a part of your family and at the end somebody's got to win or lose and you shake hands? 
Yeah, it's no fun. It's absolutely no fun because the one thing that you know when you win, you know how that opposing coach, you know, you know how he feels. You know that misery. And you don't want people that you care about (laughs) to feel that way. If you don't want to feel that way, you shouldn't go into coaching, first of all. I think we should send that out as a tweet. Um, I always tell our young guys when they become GAs, I'm like, man, just get a regular job, get Pacer tickets, get Cubs tickets, and just have a great life. I said, it's really enjoyable to coach college basketball until you lose. Mm-hmm. And then when you lose, it's awful. And people don't realize that burden that you carry, especially as a head coach, because you're responsible. You feel that. And when people say things, when you're trying to do everything, it's just really tough. But, um, you know, he was great for our program. You know, we learned – especially that second time around. He was with me two different times. We learned way more from him than he did from us. And his experiences with Brad at Butler, his experiences with Brad um, with the Boston Celtics, and we flipped it with him. You know, He was in charge of their defense for five, six years at Boston, and he came and he was in charge of our offense. You know, kind of that prosecuting attorney now also becomes a defensive attorney. You're like, well, he's never been a defense attorney. He goes, yeah, but he knows what the other side's thinking. And he really brought a lot of actions and a lot of different things from the NBA, a lot of philosophies. It was great just to have him um, like a consultant on the other side, too, because he'd done so much defensively with the Celtics and the NBA and how to stop certain things and do certain things. Just gave you kind of a fresh perspective. So he was fabulous for us. I said after the game, if I was an athletic director and you wanted a hardworking, good guy, loyal, someone your son would play for, intelligent, great teacher, Micah Shrewsbury would be the top of my list, and that includes everybody. I mean, he is fabulous. Um, Penn State is very, very lucky to have him. Purdue head coach Matt Painter joining the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein. Boilers now 15-1 and after Sunday's win against Penn State. Well, Matt, you know, I called you in September as I was going over some numbers and looking at things and forecasting, and I remember asking you, you know, I think Zach Eady is going to be able to average 20-10. and 10. And we had that conversation in September, and he has usurped those numbers. Has he usurped your expectations? Yeah, he's played hard. And, um, you know, you go through little, like, little ruts a little bit during the season. You know, there's not a major league hitter out there that doesn't go through a slump at some times during the season. He's different because sometimes his opportunities are going to be a little bit different depending on what the defense does, right? But he can always rebound. You know, he can always post strong. You know, he can, he can always play hard, and that's what we try to get him to do is, you know, post strong, worry about your ball screen defense, change ends of the floor, set good angles on screens, dive hard, just keep your stuff simple, and, but just don't settle in. You know, you, know, play, you know, play hard, like dominate down there before you get the basketball, and just keep working. They take it away, they keep taking it away. Well, you keep working. You know, be more resilient than those guys, and uh, he's been great. You, you see the minutes that he gets. Um, he gets a little bit tired here and there, but for the most part, he's no different than anybody else. That's you know six four one ninety, you know, and he's seven four two ninety. You know, he can play a lot. I, I kept saying that, and everybody kind of looked at me like I was crazy. But I'm saying he doesn't play as much to start with when he got here because he wasn't tuned with ball screen defense and the fives that could pick and pop and some of that stuff. He had to get better there, and then Travion got so good, and then they split minutes. And he was splitting minutes because Travion was so good. And 
now when you're in this position here, it's tough to take him out, to be frank with you. You know, and I always say that to our team about stuff like that. You know, when you play really well and you defend and you rebound and you're efficient offensively, as a coach, it's tough to take you out. Like, put me in that position as a coach, and he's been able to do that. He puts me in that position where I don't like seeing him out of the game. Now, I know you want as many good players as you can as a coach, but is it easier to coach with just him in your program and not him and another all-league guy at the five like Travion Williams? Right. Yeah, but I we have an all-league guy. Uh, we have a couple of them down there that are really going to blossom in Caleb First and Trey Kaufman Wren, and that's what you feel bad Caleb First has improved defensively. He's a lot better defensively than he was last year. They really picked on him last year. He was a five in high school. We, you know, he spent the majority of the time, really all the time, playing the four. And then some games he couldn't match up. Keegan Murray, a couple other guys, and then we didn't play him in those games. Well, he's gotten healthy. He's really worked hard at it. His athleticism and his length, but also his knowledge. He, he has a better feel playing the four as a, as a defender. And that's where he's made his strides and really helped himself. Obviously, Mason Gillis has a lot of things. But Trey Kaufman-Ren, that's the guy that I, I feel for because he's really – if you play him, he is going to score. He is a really good player. He's an all-conference level player. Last night I played him eight minutes, and that stinks. That absolutely stinks because I love him as a player. I know what he can do. But then when you have Zach right there, you got to match up. Like think about how Penn State plays with all those guys mm-hmm. that can shoot threes. And so, like, you got to match up defensively. We love keeping Ethan Morton on picket as much as possible because he's 6'7", he's got great size, he's a great defender. So then as Braden Smith was making great decisions, you can't take him out. Then you can't take Ethan Morton out. Then you can't take Fletch out the way he played, you know, and the way he has played. And so, like, now you got to match up to those guys, and it's really hard for to take Zach out, and then he doesn't get minutes, and it just it stinks. But it's a, it's a very, very good problem to have as a coach, knowing you've got those type of guys you know, ready to roll and come in the game. No, Trey Kaufman-Ren at some point on the road in the Big Ten, I feel like, is going to win you guys a game because he is that no talented. But like you said, no him, Caleb First, Mason Gillis, if the usage were there, would be – all-conference caliber players. Now, you are somebody who has always taken great pride in your culture, great pride in your roster continuity. Trey Kaufman ran redshirted last season. How are you keeping all those guys happy and bought in, not just for the present, but for the future in the climate that we're in in college basketball? Yeah, well, intelligent people know winning supersedes everything else. You know, people that are into, like, just themselves – you know, you know, then you're not into winning. Like you, you have to have that confidence that you can play well. Like right now, the guys that I mentioned that didn't play as much, you know, they, they got to feel like, man, I want, I don't want anybody that doesn't want more minutes, but learn to be professional, stay ready, stay with it. Everybody goes through this process. Everybody outside of like a couple people, like everybody goes through this, stay ready. You can go somewhere and play a lot more than not being on, you know, a successful team if that's your choice, but that's not what you want. You know, you want to get a great degree from Purdue. You want to be on a special, great team that's got a chance to do, you know, some big-time things in March, hopefully win or try to win a a Big Ten championship. So those are a lot of the factors that should supersede everything else, but also knowing that Trey Kaufman runs a freshman. You know, he's got a lot of basketball left in him. Caleb First is a sophomore. He's got a lot of basketball left in him. You know, Mason's in his junior year. 
you know, each one of those guys, you know, you have a different story and you're in a different situation, but winning's the most important thing. And when you get those guys that come off the bench that are really starters, which the guys that you mentioned are, you know, some teams have three starters, but the rules say they got to start five. When you got three starters, you're probably not very good, right? <laughs> you know, but if you got eight or nine starters, you you got a pretty good team, but you got to understand. And like your your question really leads to like, how do you manage that? We'll sign good players that are good guys that get it, that, that understand those things. Like, there's no jealousy within our team. There's guys that want to play more. Brandon Newman wants to play more, and I, and I always tell him that I'm glad you want more. But be professional, stay ready, because if you have a good headspace and you do that and you play, you know, those limited minutes, you're going to play better. But if you're mad and you think something's going wrong and like you deserve to play more and you're really mad about it and you don't stay functional and understand and see the big picture, now you're going to make it worse when you go in there. You know, you're going to go and you're going to turn it over. You're going to take a bad shot. You're going to have a breakdown in your defensive assignment. You know, keep a clear head, keep competing. And the best thing to do is just stay engaged to the game when you're not in and cheer and listen in the huddle. So, like, when things happen and you sub in, you were listening, you know you know what's going on, you're helping out that guy that's playing in front of you, and now you're going to play better. You know, it's just human behavior stuff. So just stay with it. And like I said, like Caleb first and Mason and, and Trey, they all want more, and, and I'm glad they want more. Um, but they all understand the big picture, and we're trying to win a Big Ten championship and do some special things. Purdue head coach Matt Painter joined the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein. Boilers 15-1 and through 16 games. Matt, when did you make the decision internally that you were going to roll with two freshman guards? When they played better than the other guys in practice. Yeah, when was that? Um, just a combination of June, July. Um, Braden Smith didn't play in the summer. Uh, Brian Waddell didn't play in the summer. Cam Heidi didn't play in the summer, and Caleb First didn't play in the summer. All those guys were either coming off surgeries, coming off injuries, um, just trying to get ready for the fall. So Braden didn't do anything competitively until we got to the fall. And, you know, he just played really well. From day one, Fletcher, June, July, August, September, October, November, same person, same effort, same execution, same ability to take things in. Both of them are very intelligent. They haven't been through some things but they're light years ahead of freshmen. Like they're very intelligent, they're very competitive, and they both really believe in themselves. Um, so I'm that way. You know, I'm just, you know, what's fair is fair. Like, I'm going to do what's best for Purdue. And if you come in and you get it, and you're equal with somebody, I mean, I mean it's equal with somebody that's been here before, that person that's been here before is probably going to get that early nod. You just mm-hmm. are. But if you clearly put yourself in front of people, um, especially kind of with, that corporate DNA, right? You, you got to have that corporate DNA within in terms of, do they really understand what's going on? They don't have the same experiences because they just got here. But when those guys are showing that like, hey, we're saying stuff we're talking about and they're picking it up, and then you don't have to say it again to them. And they keep picking those things up and they keep listening. That's so important, especially when you're playing with somebody like Zach, because it's a little different. Like, you know, you got to give space. You got to understand what's going on. You got to give him some time sometimes. But we're going to cater some things through Zach. And those guys are great compliments to Zach. They're great compliments to anybody, but they're really good compliments, um, you know, to him. So, but they earn it. Like we're not, I don't go out and promise people they're going to play. I don't promise people they're going to start. Say, hey, look at this right here. You know, this guy came in and he started for a couple years, then he didn't. This guy came in, he didn't start for a couple years, then he beat this guy out. So we've had freshmen come in and start, then the next year they didn't and vice versa. And I don't sit back and, you know, and promise anybody anything. It's not about starting. 
It's about winning. It's about finishing. And those things are important. It's not about minutes. And so if that's the case and you need some things promised to you, you know, Purdue's not your spot. But if you do those things and you get more talent than everybody else, then good for you. But, um, you know, as a coach, I believe you got to be straightforward. you got to be honest. you got to be noncommittal. And that's tough in recruiting. You know, that's really tough in recruiting because they, you know, you can sense when they want to hear something. I was like, I'm just going to tell you how it is. And if that fits and what you want, then cool. And if not, then, you know, we'll see you down the road. Well, you know, watching Braden Smith, especially like, you know, in spurts last night, I remember when I think, you know, this is almost 10 years ago now, but you guys played an early season tournament at the Garden. I think it was Ryan Archie Diakonos freshman year at Villanova, and it was a really competitive game. And Braden, to me, looks like the type of guy who could have a similar career at Purdue as Archie Diakono had at Villanova and obviously that culminated with a national title and you know the guy next to him Fletcher Lawyer just how flawless he is shooting the ball I'm curious how would you rate Fletcher Lawyer as a shooter at this juncture compared to Ryan Klein who I remember coming to Purdue you told me he was the best yeah. shooter that you ever coached yeah well those guys Ryan Klein didn't play as much as he did even though like Dakota Mathias ended up starting he played about 20 minutes a game Fletch plays more than those guys and so he has shot it better Klein's Klein was amazing because you give him 13 minutes, he still had a good percentage. Gave him 20 minutes, he still had a good percentage. Give him 30. He always had a good percentage in some tough roles. And, uh, you know, Dakota in his first couple of years was a bit back, but he had some health issues to start with. And, um, but no, he's a, he's a big time shooter. The thing that he's probably better than those guys is he's a big time shooter in key moments at an early age. So, like, he makes that huge shot against Rutgers that could have ended up winning the game for us. He makes the huge shot against Ohio State, which did. You know, he struggled. He had his worst half of the season at Ohio State in the first half. And then he responded. We didn't start him. He, he responded to it. And then he didn't get a lot of opportunities in the first half against Rutgers. He was one for three. And then right away he makes a tough three to start the second half and just gets on a roll for us. Um, so like he's answering the bell and he's doing some good things, but he's doing them in, in, in some key moments when we really need him. So, um, Fletch is a good player. Fletch is very confident in himself and he's got more to him. You know, he, 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 sh- he kind of showed it other night against Penn state in the second half. He made a tough pull up. He made a tough floater. He made a runner, a you know, soft high off the glass. So he's showing some things he can pass the basketball to. He's learning to really kind of pick his spots, but we're also doing some more things. And so, like, trying to get the ball in his hands, trying to get the ball in Braden's hands a little bit more and not be as deliberate as we've been, you know, with Zach. If they're going to let Zach get it deep, you know, we're going to run a lot of stuff for him, and rightfully so. But it's also putting the ball in those guys' hands, too, to be able to make reads, make passes, make decisions. And now you get a lot of things. You get Zach's, you know, you get your lobs to Zach's. You get your cross-court passes when they overhelp on Zach. You get the pass back to the guy coming behind plays. And then you also get your pull-up. Braden got a couple really good pull-ups. He got to the rim a couple times. He got the lobs. So you're getting a smorgasbord of stuff, but you only you don't get that with shooters at all. You get that with decision-makers. Great decision-makers with great shooters along with Zach. It's a really good recipe for, dis- for success. But it starts with the decision. You can't have predetermined thoughts. We're not playing a video game. You're not pushing B. You know, you got to read the defense. Each defense is going to be different whether they're in a drop or they're switching or they're heavy hedging. You know, it just depends with that. you got to be able to make those reads and Fletch and Braden do a really good job of that. 
Purdue head coach Matt Painter joined the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein. Boilers 15-1 and through 16 games. Well, as the calendar flips right now and we inch closer and closer to mid-January, we are officially in the winter in the Big Ten. We can feel the frost, obviously, every time we walk outside. You know, Matt, everyone really except for Minnesota in the league looks extremely capable. I mean, teams like Northwestern and Nebraska have obviously played really, really well here out of the start. Now, with all that said, we've seen in the last two years incredible volume from the Big Ten in the NCAA tournament, but we haven't seen a great deal of success. Why do you think the Big Ten hasn't been more successful in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. You can go you know you can go back and look at it from a theory standpoint. Like you want to work towards getting your league in a great situation, which once again we are. You know, I always say that about us. You know, our, our goal is to get to a Final Four and hopefully win a national championship, and we haven't been able to do that. A lot of people will like say, "Hey, what's wrong with you guys? You know, why why can't you do this?" You know, we've been the Sweet Sixteen. I think four out of six years, maybe three out of six years. I don't actually know the stat. That's terrible. But we've had success there. We just haven't pushed through that threshold. You know, getting beat by St. Peter's at that point for us, that's a tough pill to swallow. But it should also say, you know, get yourself back in those situations. Keep working towards getting yourself back in those situations. And then hopefully, like, you can push through. When you look at it from up, big picture from your conference standpoint it's really hard because you get nine teams in there's nine different scenarios there nine different matchups like you could say well the matchups weren't good for you well i think that's kind of an excuse when you look at like all those things we got to be better you know and so we can't sit there and coach other teams in our league we can only coach purdue so we got to be better too even though we've been into that second weekend a lot you know here in the past six seven years we still got to keep going but I know this, it's hard to win the first round game. Yeah. You know, don't sit there and say, man, we got to get past the sweet 16. Well, well, you got to win your first game. Like, you know, you got to, you know, lock in and, you know, you work so hard to put yourself in a great position. You know, we've been a two seed, we've been a three seed, we've been a four seed, we've been a five seed here in these last five, six tournaments. We've been right there. We've worked ourselves there and we've got the sweet 16s, but now as a league, like, you know, getting more, Keep putting yourself in those positions. Keep working. Don't sit back and say, you know, anything else besides what was good about us against Yale? What was good against us against Texas? What's the problem against St. Peter's? And just keep your focus right there. I thought we turned the ball over against St. Peter's. I thought St. Peter's was tougher than us. Well, let's be tougher then. Let's take care of the ball then. Let's work on those things there because we obviously had to do some really good things to get there. So from a pragmatic standpoint, Stay on the basketball-related issues. Stay on the development issues so when you can hopefully earn your way back in those positions, you can be better than across the board as a league. You know, you, you hope more people, you know, bust through that threshold also so now we can get some teams, hopefully ourselves, you know, into the Final Four and hopefully win a national championship for our conference. You mentioned the St. Peter's loss, and I know, you know, last year's team, you know, had star power with obviously Zach and Travion Williams and, of course, Jaden Ivey, who was a lottery pick. How often did that game cross your mind during the offseason? Oh, always. You know, things like that always do. Like, you sit back and people say, like, they, they put up our record against Penn State, you know, since I've been here, and it was really good. And it was like, I went and thought about the four losses. I didn't look at all those wins. And that's what I, that's what ran through my mind. Right. You know, those four laws, like they beat us here. They came into Mackey and beat us. Um, they beat us, you know. And they held us one time. Penn State held us to 45 points in a game. 
at Penn State. And so that's, that's what you think of as a coach. Like you don't sit around and say, hey, man, we won 29 games. Let's go through those 29 wins. You sit there and say, we should have won this game on the road. We should have won that game on the road. Why and do I coaches do that, I, though? Why in your vocation do coaches only think about losses and not the wins? It's a, yeah, it's not an intended thought. It's a natural behavior thing. It's because it's what keeps you grizzled. It's what keeps you on edge. You know, there's a part of you that I hate the misery of coaching. Um, I love winning. I love competing. I love helping guys out. But, like, when you have, like, a 9 o'clock game, like, it's like the whole day, like, you're just preparing, but it's just grinded on you. I love those noon games. You don't have enough time to grind. You know, your stomach can stay intact for the most part. Um, But it's not something that coaches, like, sit there and want to happen. You put so much into it, you know, it's competitive. And you control practices, right? You don't control games. You try to, but it's really hard. You control a practice. Something stupid happens. You blow the whistle. Whoa, 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 stop, stop, stop. What are we doing? You can't do the whoa, 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 stop in the middle of a game. It doesn't work that way. So you try to do things to get yourself ready to play. And the best predictor of that is what your opponent has been doing and what you've been doing. But if something changes, how the game's called, what the other team's doing defensively, now you've got to be able to make those adjustments. And if you didn't put any time into that because you didn't know what was coming, now that's a little bit, that's a little bit harder. Now, if you can foil that real quick, you've got some guys that can adjust and do some different things. But coaches don't intend to do that at all. We just try to cover all of our bases and get our teams ready. And then when you don't, you know, you you carry that burden and guilt. And I talk about that a lot. So, like, you want to undo it. You want to go back and undo those four losses. But the only thing you can do from those four losses is learn and then hopefully not let it happen again. Well, I've asked you before, because you've had a lot of great teams at Purdue, does this team give you your best chance to get to a Final Four and so on and so forth? And I'm not going to ask you that this time. What I'm going to ask you is this, because this is my <laughs> view from 30,000 feet. Do the pieces yeah. on this team fit together as well as any team that you've had at Purdue? Yeah, I would think it's equal. We, once again, we're deep. Like, I feel good about some of the guy, like David Jenkins. Like, if we wanted to play him at his role – and playing with Braden Smith, like I'm convinced David Jenkins would average 15, 16 points for us. We were not at that point, so he's in a different role. But if he needed to be, he could do that. Mason Gillis shared time last game with Caleb First. Those guys are starters. Brandon Newman had 29 against Minnesota as a freshman. You know, Trey Kaufman, we talked about it, you know, being an all-conference caliber player. Caleb First is an all-conference caliber player, but he doesn't get a lot of licks at it because of all the guys we've mentioned. But I feel good about those guys being able to be in a better role. I think that's an unbelievable luxury. And it's frustrating for them, like they said, when their minutes are lower. But if you get into foul trouble or you get injured or what happens, and then those guys need to go into a, a, a better role, more minutes, I feel really good about that. I don't think everybody does. I think that's the point. I feel as good about them as I do with the other teams that were in that position. Like all of those teams, I felt good about getting there and being able to push through. We haven't got into those situations in that second weekend and been overwhelmed outside for maybe one or two games, you know, when we've gotten to the Sweet 16. So that's six times I think we've been in the Sweet 16. So those things are are really, really important for us because – we know things happen, and if you have a deeper team and a more experienced team. But, yeah, the pieces really fit together. When you deal with people who can pass and they can compete, 
those two qualities. Com- you know, you got to be competitive and you got to have a fight, which we we've shown that we do. Um, but you got to be able to pass the ball. You know, you got to share the basketball with each other because now it's enjoyable for everybody else. But a lot of times people don't because you got a couple other guys out there that. just aren't wired that way. So the more we can keep competing and fighting and the more we can keep passing to each other and not caring who, you know, gets the credit, you know, the more we're going to give ourselves a chance to really push through. We've got, you know, not that anybody's counting, but, you know, maybe, you know, eight weeks and six days until Selection Sunday, and that's what everybody is working towards. How do you obviously know that that is going to be, you know, the start of the journey that's the ultimate goal for this team but enjoy every day everything that comes in between. Right. That's a tough one, right? You know, you're, you're trying to enjoy everything, but it's also competition. I think the best thing is, you know, you really sharpen your pencil when you lose. Like, I think that as a competitor, you do that, and you, and you don't intentionally relax when you win, but human behavior lets you relax a little bit. That's your job as a coach. You know, you know, when you're sharpening that pencil after a loss and you're getting ready, you're still doing some good things, right? Like we, like we didn't have a great game against Rutgers, but they had a lot to do with that. But we still did some good things. We still had a fight when we came back. We had a really tough first half, but we still had a good fight to us. We did some things and we're resilient and got ourselves back in there where we're leading under, you know, under a minute in the game. We're up two. So we, we, we did some good things there. And then we had some struggles like in the first half against Penn State, even though they made tough shots. We still did some good things that felt like we were there. But, like, you, you just have to understand that, you know, piece of everything. You just do. Like, but now, you know, we just won two games, two road games, you know, back-to-back. Like, but we're getting ready to play Nebraska. You know, Nebraska played extremely hard when we went there. We were very fortunate. Don't lose sight of the fact that mm. we were very, very fortunate to win at Nebraska. Borderline lucky. You know, we, we got a call at the end of the game. Um, that went you know, that went for us. Um, that, that that was tough for Nebraska, really tough for Nebraska. Like keep it in perspective, but communicate those things to your team because you always look at things. Like if you go, I always say this about if you go and play somewhere, and their best player is hurt, when you're celebrating after you beat them in the locker room, you're not like saying, "Hey guys, ease up on the celebration," because if they had their best guy, I don't know if we'd have won this game. Nobody says that. Right. You take the win, man. You take the, you're like, yeah, we did great. We were ready to go. You don't sit there and put an asterisk next to your win. No, that's a win. They're so hard to come by. Well, like that's what the, those guys got to understand. Like, how do you think Nebraska feels? Like they had that, they, they had that and they got a tough call and you know, right, wrong or indifferent, understand that and, and, and be ready to roll when we play them on Friday night. Cause we, cause obviously they've made huge strides, but, they're really guarded and they're really competitive and Fred's a really good coach. Their pieces are really fit together and they're growing together. So understand that when you get to, you know, to compete and go against people, like how do they feel? Like how do they feel coming into it? So flip some things on how you feel to how other people feel. So you have a gauge on stuff and just understand this. You got to go and compete, you know, whoever you're playing, man, it's like, oh, man, we're going to have a couple tough wins, and then we're going to play these guys and play those guys, and we got Rutgers, we got Penn State. I don't care who we're playing in the Big Ten, man. you got to be ready to roll every single game, and that's the mindset that we got to grow into because we, I, I thought we were really ready, and I thought we really responded after halftime of our last two games. Final thing, and we're going to wrap it up with where we started. When the day comes that Purdue wins an Elite Eight game, 
and gets to a Final Four, what's your post-game meal going to be? <laughs> whatever they have, whatever they order, um, wherever, wherever we are, right? We always try to dive into, you know, you go to Philly, you go to Delosandro's, you get you a cheesesteak, you know, wherever you go and whatever that specialty is, you know, you lock into it and, you know, you find out the best places and, and, and be able to go there. So um, anything would taste good if you're able to go to a Final Four. Simplicity is a good thing, Matt. Appreciate a couple minutes as always, and as always, look forward to staying connected along the way. All right, John. Thanks, man. We'd like to thank Purdue's Matt Painter for joining the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein. I want to remind you to subscribe to the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein on Apple Podcasts. We want to be your Bible for the college basketball season and beyond. We are the only college basketball podcast coming to you 52 weeks out of the calendar year. Also, I want to remind you to check out the College Hoops Today fan page on Facebook. Give us a like. Give us a review. Let us know what you think of the product we're bringing to you 52 weeks out of the calendar year. And also, a reminder to find and listen to the College Hoops Today podcast on all the popular podcast platforms. Make sure to subscribe, like, and rate the show, and please feel free to leave us comments. And also, check out collegehoopstoday.com for breaking news, podcast, archive stories, and analysis on the greatest sport that we have on our globe. And time now for our social media portion of the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein. Send me your questions on Twitter. I'm at John Rothstein. That's John, J-O-N. Our first question comes from Skins Hoops 86 And it's John, do you think the Big 12 has a realistic chance of getting nine teams or even all 10 in the NCAA tournament. I think that's going to even out. I think we're starting to see in league play separation already between, you know, these teams that are going to be NCAA tournament teams and others aren't. The good thing about the Big 12 is this. Every single game is an opportunity to get a quality victory. The bad thing in the Big 12, every game is very, very difficult to win. We've seen this out of the gate already with West Virginia. We've seen it with Texas Tech. I think the Big 12 will wind up with seven to eight teams in the NCAA tournament. Our next question comes from Afshin Zahari, and it's John. With the Big Ten now cannibalizing itself and only having three successes in two seasons, how many Big Ten teams do you see making it to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament? That's a little bit of a loaded question because I don't have a bracket yet, but I did say this over the weekend. We have seen so far in the Big Ten, every team other than Minnesota show that it's capable of beating anybody in the Big Ten. So what does that mean in my opinion? Be really, really careful how much stock you're going to put in Big Ten teams advancing into the NCAA tournament. Remember, in the last two NCAA tournaments, the Big Ten has had 18 teams reach the two brackets. Only three teams got to the second weekend. Purdue last season and Michigan in back-to-back years. Michigan lost in the Elite Eight in 2021 and last year lost in the Sweet 16 to Villanova. And our final question is going to be from Peyton Christensen. John, who would you rather have as your big, Zach Eady or Oscar Shibway? Kentucky's in a massive slump. This year, I'd rather have Zach Eady. Zach Eady is emerging, and I've said this time and time again, as the Yao Ming of college basketball. I'm not saying he's Yao Ming, but he's having a Yao Ming-like impact on college basketball. It's a video game type effect for the seven foot five center, who, again, has gotten better and better and better. Now, let's get to some nuggets. Five good nuggets. Five. Five. Six. No, five. 
But you were close. Nugget number one, expanding the range. UConn's Adama Sonongo has already made 11 threes this season. He made none during the first two years of his college career. Nugget number two, a special milestone. Michigan State will play in its 25th consecutive NCAA tournament under Tom Izzo if it hears its name called on Selection Sunday. Nugget number three, the Northwest Star. Washington State has a burgeoning star in Muhammad Gay. Had 24-14 in Saturday's win over Arizona in Tucson. Nugget number four, getting defensive. Tennessee's only giving up an average of 51.3 points per game in SEC play. That is incredible. Nugget number five, a WCC storyline. Keep an eye on if St. Mary's can push Gonzaga for a WCC regular season title. I thought of this over the weekend. Gonzaga beating San Francisco and Santa Clara by just a combined seven points. Only once during Randy Bennett's tenure in 2011-2012 has St. Mary's won an outright WCC regular season title. Now, let's get to some games to watch. Games to watch. Games to watch. Tuesday, we got North Carolina and Virginia. Meanwhile, Wednesday, UConn is at Marquette. I'll be on the sideline for that game on CBS Sports Network. Creighton travels to Xavier. Alabama's at Arkansas. And TCU takes a trip to Texas. We'd like to thank Purdue's Matt Painter for joining the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. This was the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein. <laughs>